Welcome to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate, where we discuss e-commerce issues and whether our guests today automated, delegated, or eliminated them and why. Your host is Will Christensen, co-founder of Data Automation. And again, welcome to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. Welcome everyone to this episode of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. We are very excited. I'm your host, Will Christensen. This episode is sponsored by Data Automation. Today, I am very excited. We have a very special guest today, Karina McLeod. She is passionate about helping retail brands succeed in the online world. Karina has 18 years of experience in retail and 15 years working with Amazon. Karina spent seven years working with Amazon in vendor management and the last eight years has been supporting sellers and vendors to grow through their businesses on Amazon. In 2017, Karina set up an Amazon-focused consulting and marketing agency, e-commerce nurse, where she and her team help brands of all sizes reach their potential on the Amazon platform. We are super, super excited to have Karina here. She and I met on her podcast. And I honestly, if you if you want to hear a good episode, I would highly recommend checking out Karina's podcast and listening to that episode because we had a really good time talking about e-commerce and all of the amazing things that come with automation. So I think we're in for some good stuff. Excited to have you here, Karina. Thank you. Thanks, Will, for the invite. I'm really excited to be able to, uh, yeah, talk to you again after our fun, fun chat on our last podcast. Absolutely. Well, obviously your bio told us a little bit about this, but I guess the question that I have for you and the question I'd like to open up all of our shows with is tell us a little bit about your business and, and kind of what brought you to where you are right now? Yeah, so we, first off, I started to consult for sellers and vendors on Amazon. And what I found was consulting is fantastic, but often when you consult for clients, it means there's an element of implementation needed. And so what was happening is I was working with clients, advising them on all the different things that they could do the question that they always asked at the end was, okay, so can you go and do it for me? And so that question kept being asked and made me think, well, actually, no, I'm not able to implement everything that I'm recommending because it's not scalable because I can't do everything and I'm not the expert in everything. And so then I realized that I needed to grow a team and grow a business, not just being solely me as a consultant. And so as years went on, I started to hire a number of people. And then next minute I know I've got a consulting agency with a team of rock stars, experts in their fields. And now we can support not only consult for clients, but also implement and execute as well. Awesome. Well, I think the topic of today's episode is going to be delegate because that's what happened in your business. It, it sounds like, you know, initially you got started, you established some expertise, people got excited about what you were doing, and you very quickly realized, oh, I can't do all of this. In order for me to actually execute here on everything that needs to be done, I've got to do some delegation. And so I'm honestly very, very excited to talk about delegation on our podcast as you, I mean, as it sa says in the name, automate, delegate, eliminate. I feel like there's this pivot point that I've talked about in several of the episodes we've aired already where you have to look at your business and recognize, okay, it is time to decide to either automate, delegate, or eliminate this task in order for us to grow. And sometimes 
it's about removing that because you don't need it anymore. That's the elimination side of things. Sometimes it's about, you know, you've written an SOP about it. You've done it 15, you've done it five times. It's taking you more than 15 minutes a day, more than an hour a week or more than an hour a month. It's time to automate. And sometimes it's time to delegate. So tell me, tell me about this process a little more before you began to delegate. So before you began to pick that apart and give it to other people, what did that look like? To be honest, it was more I was finding myself actually trying to do it and saying, although I knew that I didn't necessarily have the bandwidth, it felt that there was potential there for well, opportunity for business. And so instead of actually saying no to clients, no, I'm not able to do this, it was, well, actually, I do know how to do it and I can implement it. And so I'm going to try. And so what ended up happening was I was basically stretching myself too thin. And of course, when you stretch yourself too thin, you lose efficiency and you become stressed and you end up going into this different role, which is like a you become this doer and you become <laughs> reactive. And, you know, you know exactly exactly what I'm saying here. And you're kind of like, this isn't healthy. This isn't sustainable. I think that's the main thing. It's not sustainable. But the biggest thing that was going on in my head was more about knowing that I had to delegate, but it almost being quite scary to delegate something that I've been working on for a number of years, being so used to almost being a one woman band to then realizing, great, we're at a point we do need to delegate. And I've delegated before. I've had management roles. I was a manager at Amazon. So I know how the process works, but it almost sort of scared me passing on that responsibility. It was almost like it's, it's my baby. And so it took some time to do that. And then it came to a point where it was a, a make or break, really, that you either delegate or some, something's got to give. So it, I love that. And I don't want to talk about that fear because I think that fear lives in all entrepreneurs or all people in general. So, so I often will bring up a couple of books that I just, I love. I think they teach business principles that help businesses succeed. And the one I highlight right now is called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And in his book, he talks about three roles. He talks about the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur. And how these three personalities are a little bit like the fat guy and the skinny guy that live in all of us. And the fat guy looks in the refrigerator and says, om, nom, 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 nom. And the skinny guy says, I'm going to exercise, right? So we, we all have these competing desires inside ourselves and he categorizes them as like full-blown separate personalities or people. And I think when you can start to realize that your business needs different people the same way that your body needs different people, you need the fat guy sometimes because he tells you you've overdone it. And you need the skinny guy sometimes because he's told you you're sitting around too long. Just like that, your business needs the technician, the entrepreneur, and the manager. And that technician is what you're talking about. It's the doer, the guy who is in the weeds, actually picking apart everything that needs to be done. And I love what you said. I mean, there comes a point when the technician has so much on his plate that he literally is going to keel over if the manager doesn't come in and clean up what he's done in the past and start to delegate. Because the entrepreneur had this harebrained idea that we were going to start a business and he started pitching it to everybody and got excited. And that's the visionary. He created the mess for the technician. Now the technician's doing it. And there's this extreme fear. I want to dig into that a little bit. What did that fear, if you don't mind, I want to kind of open the curtain. How many clients were we talking about before it was like, I don't know if I can handle this? I would say about... 10 or so clients, or it could be up to 20 because some were ad hoc. 
And I remember having a conversation once with another consultant and they asked me, so how many people do you have in your team? Because I was explaining what I, what I do. And I was like, well, there is nobody on in the team. It's just me. And there was this sudden pause. And that was kind of a bit of a light bulb moment because there was me thinking, wow, I'm able to manage all of this. That's great. But actually, there's a pause probably thinking, is this girl crazy? <laughs> because is that really possible? And so there were many a light bulb moments then, for sure. Those, it's, it's interesting that you talked about talking to another consultant. I find that one of the most effective ways to find where that hesitation or that pivot point that we talk about, like, okay, is it time to automate, delegate, or eliminate? That pivot point comes when we pause. Mm -hmm. And I find that that pause comes from talking to other entrepreneurs who can get a bird's eye view into your business. It is so hard to pause just on a daily basis. Like if you were to go out and write it on your calendar right now, I'm going to pause. It's so hard to shift that gear to reference another book called Getting Things Done. In that book uh, by David Allen, he talks about the different levels of work, and, and he would call this like the 50,000 foot view. He wants to look at the purpose and the why, and, and, and Michael Gerber calls it working on the business, not in the business, right? So like, it is so hard to pivot like that, but I love what you said, and I want to pull that out for the listeners. If you're an entrepreneur or you're a manager or you're a technician and, and you are in the middle of it and you are having a hard time stepping back and, and you recognize there's something broken in the system, this is stressing me out. Maybe you don't even recognize it's stressing you out, but you recognize you don't have any more time to do anything. Take a step back and the way you can take a step back is go talk to your wife, go talk to your kids, go talk to somebody else about the business and just the reflection, just a conversation like this that we're having is going to allow you to take a step back. And if you really want to take a step back, get out a whiteboard and start drawing what you're doing. I found that that, that cathartic you know, motion of getting it out there on a piece of paper or on a whiteboard and having someone else to talk to about it, just so powerful. So I love that you brought out that point. And I want to point out to people, if you're trying to delegate, if you're trying to automate, if you're trying to eliminate, and you just can't seem to get out of the weeds, talk to somebody, find a business consultant, or just find a friend. I, I found that honestly, sometimes my most effective player in helping me work on the business instead of in the business is my wife because she's not a techie. She's not going in there. I convinced her to buy an iPhone. She didn't have one before. She was using a dumb phone is what I call it. She was using a dumb phone for a long, long time. We got married and I was like, okay, I really like... Like she was still printing out directions from Google Maps and then trying to figure out where to go. And I mean, it was driving her nuts because, and it was driving me nuts too, because I was printing out the directions a lot of times. Okay, here's the directions. And she'd be driving down the road. And I'm thinking, okay, she's holding this piece of paper up in her hand. She's driving, this is not going to, so one of these times we're going to have a serious problem. And eventually I convinced her to buy that iPhone. And now you can't, you can't tear it away from her because she's figured out like, okay, this, like one of the key features, GPS. She loves to be able to slap that into the dashboard holder and, and drive wherever she needs to go. So I love talking to her because if it doesn't make sense to her, I probably shouldn't be doing it, right? Like if I can't break it down in a simple enough way that she can understand it, I haven't done my job and it's not ready to delegate. So tell us a little bit more about that. You had this light bulb moment. Yeah, I had this light bulb moment. The point that you made about the entrepreneur, the technician and the manager is 
is something that actually is very interesting because there's this role that you naturally revert to, which is the one that you probably are the most comfortable with. And my role is very much I'm a doer. And so entrepreneur has always, has never really been anything that I've never really seen myself necessarily as an entrepreneur. That's just sort of developed as I've learned along the way. So I've always taken this doing role. So it almost made it more difficult for me to step back because to step away and to go to this, okay, I, I, I understand the management side of things and I've, I've managed a team and, and everything I'm comfortable with. But this entrepreneur part is something that's completely new to me as well. And so I found myself, yeah, this whole thing of we were talking about fear was almost the fear of not only sort of passing on responsibility, but you're going into areas that might not necessarily be your natural skill set that as an entrepreneur, you have to develop. And because or you find people, of course, which will the delegate part where you find people that are good at what they do. So. When I had that sort of light bulb moment, and I kept getting more and more of those moments, I then thought, right, now is the time to go out there and say and start getting support. So I started to look at, go out for support. I went to the usual channels, such as Upwork, um, to find people. And to be honest, that didn't necessarily work for me. And eventually I put a post out on LinkedIn and an old colleague that I actually worked with responded. Lo and behold, one week later, she was in the role. I then thought to myself, well, why Why didn't I do this sooner? Because I was panicked at first because I was thinking, oh, the route is up work. I'm not going to know anyone. I've got to put my trust in someone I don't know, etc." And then next minute, when I really sort of bite, bit the bullet, I then ended up with someone who's fantastic and still on my team. And then, yeah, then you start thinking, wow, I should have done that three years ago. <laughs> I'll mention another one. Yeah, I love that you mentioned Upwork and, and I want to dig into a little bit of that failure to delegate because I think that failure to delegate tells us a lot about what we're facing and it tells us a lot about where's there. And so I'm curious, I want to talk about the times that I've failed to delegate and hear about the time you failed to delegate. And then let's get into the why we failed to delegate to help anybody who's listening to get that. But I want to mention another freelance network that I'm a huge fan of. No, I don't get any affiliate links off of this um, at this point. Maybe I'll put the link in the in the bottom. And I'll, it, they do have an affiliate program. But the other freelance network I want to mention is called FreeUp. I currently employ a full-time customer service person from FreeUp, and they specialize in bringing individuals who can help free up time, right? So the whole idea is delegation. I had another episode, if you're interested, with Nathan Hirsch, who's the founder of FreeUp. And he recently sold FreeUp and uh, is now running Outsource School, which is basically a school to teach you how to do some of this, this delegation. So uh, another place that you can go look for more information there. But let's dig into some of the failure there. And I know for me, sometimes that can be a little uncomfortable. So I really appreciate you going here with me, Karina. I think it's going to be valuable for the listeners. So tell me about, you know, you posted on Upwork or I mean, did you Google first? How did you find Upwork? Um, I found Upwork because it was mentioned to me when it was the previous, forgotten what the name was. Something Elance or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they've bought and merged a couple of brands together. So yeah, I came across them before they were Upwork as well. Yeah. And so I posted a notice saying what I was looking for, what sort of skill set I need. But I, I, you know, I probably wasn't really clear on what I was actually looking for. 
it was all a bit fuzzy because whilst I knew I needed support, there was still not 100% clarity in my mind as in how this is going to work. And also that nervousness of recruiting someone, making that start to expanding your business, passing on responsibility. And so I got an abundance of responses and had conversations with people, but I didn't feel that anything sat right. And so then I thought, okay, it's not sitting right now. Let's look at other avenues. And so I tried other avenues. And then, as I said, I tried LinkedIn. And luckily, it was actually somebody that I previously knew, which was quite fortunate because there comes a point where that's not always going to happen when you grow a Mm -hmm. business. But it was the brilliant first step for me because my biggest fear there was trust, in all honesty, and being able to know that person and know their capabilities. And when you have a few challenges with trust, Having someone that you've never met or don't know at all is really quite scary. And so this was almost like a brilliant step for me that I was able to delegate, but also the biggest challenge that I had was his trust. And I knew, I knew them well, I knew what work they could do. So that kind of covered that area as well. But of course, as we progress, you realize that I've got over those trust issues. There's always new issues that come along as you, as you go through, as you grow as a business. That definitely was the right option, I would say, for me at the time. I think there's so many different options, but just ticking that box of uh, being confident and knowing that person was what I needed. Gotcha. So one of the things that I've discovered is you talk about that trust and you talk about that, you know, picking apart where that was. I I think it's interesting. Did you get to the point where you actually hired anybody on Upwork or or was it kind of like, oh, yeah, this is not going to work? Yeah, I did hire hire someone and I hired them probably not for the role that I really needed because I wasn't clear. And so there were elements that worked, but there were other areas that didn't necessarily work. So it was more that I needed a certain skill set. Well, actually, taking a few steps back, what happened was I actually did hire someone on Upwork for a slightly different role. And that worked out okay for a few months. But then for some reason that stopped and I had a period where I was back to back to my old ways. And then all of a sudden I realized that I was back to my old ways. And then I realized that I had to then jump in again. So, but I was a bit more. So there was a couple of processes there in terms of not really clear on what I was hiring for at first, which is why it probably didn't work out in the first instance. And then the second time I was a lot more clearer, which meant why I was so clear on where I needed to find that person. Yep. And that's super important for those listeners that are looking to delegate or eliminate or automate, you know, automate, delegate, eliminate, let's get it in the right order. If you're not that that's the order you have to do it and everybody, I'm just trying to make sure that the name of my show sounds right. Because, you know, if I don't say it right enough times, it'll totally mix everybody up. Just remember, it's in alphabetical order, A-D-E. So as you get in there and you look at it, if you don't define the role properly, you can't hire for it. It's really, really difficult. And sometimes it's hard to even know what you need. I find that there are three questions that you can apply to processes or roles that actually help you define what that is when you're looking for. So I tell people, ask, where's the data now? Where does the data need to go? And what needs to happen to the data in between? Now, you know, we're going to apply this question here to this hiring, to this role that you, that you came up with. And I have a sneaky suspicion 
that when you went out to post on Upwork, it was probably a fairly emotional moment because you were literally being like, okay, I'm going to put my baby up for sale and somebody's going to come buy her and I hope they do a good job with her. And so that emotional moment tends to make it so that you don't stop and think through the process very well. You're kind of emotionally pounding out. And generally that job description looks like I would like Superwoman, Wonder Woman, and Batgirl all in one and she must walk on water, or he must walk on water. And yes, please come find me if you match that description. And nobody can match that description. And so you're just getting people random, like, you know, they're all coming in because you didn't properly define these are the outcomes I'm looking for from someone who's there. So I love that. Like, if you're looking to delegate, you had better have done that process five times manually. That's the litmus test, remember, that we've talked about before. You better have done that at least five times manually. You better know that that's more than 15 minutes of your day, more than 15 or more than an hour of your week, or more than an hour of your month. And then beyond that, you better have written down a little bit of what you're hoping for, because it's not until then that you can actually properly delegate or automate. So once you've done all of that, then you can start asking, okay, where is the output? What am I looking for here in the member? Where's the data now, right? So what is my output? What did it take to get there? And what happens to it in between? So, so once you can kind of do that, then you can like, oh, okay, I can write a job description. My output I'm looking for is this, where it starts is over here. And this is what happens in between to get to that output. I'd be curious to see what the results would have looked like for you had you taken that moment to step back, not only to realize I need somebody, but also here, what does this role look like? Yeah, completely. And you touched on something interesting there with the job description. Because the first time round, there was no job description. There was a job description probably somewhere in my mind, but it didn't really come out clearly in how I was approaching that and trying to reach out for someone. The second time round, when I was really set, I actually did write out a job description before. I then started to think, hang on, Karina, you've hired I don't know how many times. You were a hiring manager at Amazon. You have that skill set. You were interviewing all the time. So you need to put that in play. Just because it's your own business and it's not Amazon, you still need to do it. And so then I sat down and thought, yeah, I can write this job description. And so I got writing this job description and it came naturally. And I was like, well, why did this take so long? <laughs> so, you know, you have all these moments where you're like, why didn't I do that before? But clearly <laughs> I didn't do it before. And so I wrote this job description. This was a time more when I started to focus a bit more on LinkedIn. And then all of a sudden I got the message going, oh, I'm interested in the role. Have you got a job description? And I thought, yes, I do have a job description, <laughs> you know? Yes, I actually. And then I was like thinking to myself, well, at least I've got that because before I probably would have gone, uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you a bit about the role. And that's, that's not going to for two reasons, it's not going to work. You're not clear. And it's quite off-putting for somebody when someone's like, mm, I don't really know what the role is. And so I was prepared, definitely prepared the, the second time round. Well, and so for those listeners that are in the middle of this mode of trying to decide how to delegate, how to get that off their plate, what was it that allowed you to stop and make that job description? I mean, you, you said you had the skill, but what did it look like? Where? How did you define the role? Yeah, so when it came down to defining the role, it was really a way of looking at what am I currently doing that I can't do anymore. And so I started to, to brainstorm that and started to write that all down, as in what that looked like. And then gradually, it just started to form into a role that made sense, which was an account management role of being able to 
support our clients with implementation of marketing tasks, with implementation of general account management of a seller or vendor account. And I started to put all of that in place. And then I took the description to the next level and not only talked about what the role looked like, but what we were looking for as well. And so then I started to think, okay, that's all well and good, but what's the skill set that we need? What do we start to need as a business? Well, we need someone that can deal with ambiguity because there's a huge amount of ambiguity in this business because it's growing. We need someone who's a self-starter that can just jump into the role and get going. And so then I started to build that out. So then in my mind, I was clear, actually, not only what do I need that person to do, but what is the person that I'm looking for? Otherwise, everybody will start contacting you going, yeah, I'm great for the role. I can do all that. But it's not, you know, but then it's not just about whether or not they can do that, because a lot of people can do the role. It's about is it right for the business? And, you know, can that person deal with having absolutely no structure as well? Yeah. And there are different points in the business where you need different types of individuals. I want to highlight one of the ways that we at Data Automation look at individuals who are coming to us is we actually have them take a work habits test called the Colby, K-O-L-B-E. And I first was introduced to the Colby as I was doing some investigation on personality tests and, and things like that for the business. And I came across a study where Harvard, I, I believe it was, did this study where they compared how people hire and they took, you know, these seasoned veterans, 25 year HR manager roles, and they took a bunch of college students and they let them interview the same group of candidates for a, a specific role. And they had them all take some personality tests to kind of see what was there. And they found that those individuals were making the same exact hires out of a group of candidates. The seasoned veterans, 25 years, and the college students were making the same exact hires based on who they liked. There was so much more about like, is this person attractive? Do I jive with them? They really weren't looking at, can they do the job? Or are they a good fit for this role? And it's just a natural human tendency. And so when I came across that, a good mentor of mine pointed that out to me and said, you really should be looking at some sort of personality test. And I was like, okay, I'm digging into this. And so I looked at the Colby and the Colby is really fascinating because it picks apart all of these different types of uh, people and helps give you a score based on a couple of different facets. So they go into fact finder, follow through, quick start, and I can never remember the name of the last one because it has to do with spatial, like how you handle and organize um, physical space. And that doesn't usually come into play for my business very well. So, But as you get into each one of those, you start to get an idea for what sort of individual will work in your business and not necessarily the personality that goes in there. So we use that all the time. And if you do end up taking that test, my score is 2210 um, the 10 is quick start, which is like the risk taker. I jump off cliffs before I look at what's on the bottom. And the two at the beginning is fact finder. So I tend to simplify over trying to find all of those different pieces of what's there. I tend to simplify it and I dive off cliffs is essentially the piece of it. So my assistant and my wife, believe it or not, are both on the exact opposite of that spectrum. And so we make a great team. My wife and I are a great investment team. Over the past seven years, we've pulled in over $100,000 of net worth in real estate property that I wouldn't have bought without her because she had the money. 
associated with what was there. And I'm the risk taker, right? So there's just a ton of opportunity for you as you're looking at your teams that you're building, pick apart who that individual is and not to think of them as a cog in the wheel, but do think of them as someone who is going to come into your system and change things. So what you said earlier, like find someone who is okay with ambiguity. That's only important if your business is just in the beginning. If you're at the later phases, you want someone who doesn't want ambiguity. You want someone who is okay with rigid systems that have been created. And the cool part is they're they're out there. People are out there are people out there who want a checklist every day, want to come in and check that off. Whereas in the beginning of your business, you're probably looking for somebody who wants to create that checklist, right? And so it's important to kind of see where that goes. Yep, yep, completely, completely. And and it's also, you know, I always remember in my old role as a manager, being in an interview and I was interviewing someone and I thought they're awesome. And I came out the interview and I'm like, they're awesome. And really, I thought they were awesome. This, it doesn't sound, hopefully this doesn't sound arrogant, but I was like, they're a mini me. That means they're just going to get things done. They're going to be a doer. They're not going to sit there and procrastinate. It's just going to be, this is going to work awesomely. And I always remember my director looking at me and saying, so you think that's a good thing? And I'm like, yeah. And then all of a sudden there was again, this light bulb moment. And then I realized, and this was very early days in management. And then I realized that's a bad thing because we don't need another me. We've already got a me and I'm already a head case and a handful, right? And that's probably what my director was thinking, not another Karina. And so then I learned that actually finding the opposite, finding people that don't have the skills that you have, or there's different areas that, you know, you might need someone that does procrastinate and sit there and think through decisions and, you know, all of that. And then I gradually learned over years to build a team that everybody was different, but it all really gelled really well. Totally. So important. If you take <laughs> nothing away from this, don't hire you. That, that's it. Unless, unless the business somehow really does need two of you, yeah. be very careful about hiring you. Yeah, no, that's, it's so important to recognize that, you know, as you're getting into that delegation realm, it's important. Okay, so I want to share three, like, hyper-focused tidbit things I've been wanting to share it this whole time. If you're posting on Upwork or you're posting on LinkedIn or you're posting over there, create a test that actually tests for what you're looking for. So for example, if we hire a development individual on our team, we have a development test that we created. And for those of you who are listening, who have applied to data automation or who are going to apply, I'm about to reveal the secret. We purposefully left out the API key in the test. Like the test is unsolvable. You can't solve the test unless you ask for help. What I'm specifically testing for is individuals who are humble enough to not spend five hours on it before they ask for help. I want someone who spends 30 minutes and says, something seems to be missing here. And they email the hiring manager and say, am I missing the API key here? Or am I, I seem to be missing something here because I don't seem to have all the tools I need to solve the problem. And we say, yay, you passed the first test. And we send them the API key so they can finish. So, I mean, just remember that like you can develop a real world test or situation. So on Upwork, I literally, I don't put a question mark. I say a statement, please put your favorite ice cream at the top of your cover letter in order to be considered for this post. Guess how many people I weed out on Upwork by just putting that simple thing in there. It's like 90%, 90% of them haven't read the freaking job post to the point where they caught the favorite ice cream. 
if they're if I'm looking for somebody who's paying attention to detail and they miss that one sentence that was in the job post, like boom, like we've immediately gotten rid of a bunch of people. Another thing that I like to do is I ask for a point blank reference on Upwork. So I say, give me the email address or phone number of someone who you've worked with, who is awesome. And if they won't do that, that's a red flag for me. So I mean, I've got a couple of things like that, that I use when I'm delegating to go and hunt down that. So I love this. I love, love, love where this went. So let's talk about the success. How did it feel when it worked, Karina? It felt awesome. And what it meant was that I could focus on the areas that I should have been always focusing on and meant that I could start seeing the wood beneath the trees. I could start taking a step back and stepping away from this technical technician role and start managing to some extent, but start stepping into this entrepreneur's shoes that was almost somewhere that I was trying to avoid stepping in. And then I started to feel comfortable in it and started to see the benefits. And then lo and behold, the business grew. So then it came to the next step of hiring another person, already went through those steps, I felt more comfortable and had learned. Then I went to the next step and then hired another person and then continued to hire people. And then the team just grew stronger and stronger. And we now have an awesome team a really strong team, all with their different areas of expertise. And now I can say that I do feel that I am taking on a management role to some extent, but taking on the role as a business owner, as the CEO of a company, where I now feel, yes, I am an entrepreneur. I'm now thinking more visionary. I'm now more creative. And I'm now taking a back step. Although because my natural step is technician, when things get overwhelming and I'm stressed or just even with personal life, if things are stressed, I do find myself stepping into that role and it's like, no, no, I can feel myself. And so I have to pull myself away because it's, it's a comfort zone. Um, but definitely. And then so any advice to anyone listening would be to not be afraid to take that step sooner because you're always going to think I should have taken that sooner rather than later. But I always believe that things come at their appointed hour. So if it don't beat yourself up that you didn't do it sooner, but you did it in the end. So it's definitely one of those, whereas now I wouldn't even question hiring someone. Natural, right? I love it. And it's natural because you failed and then began to understand where it is. I love it. You actually, I was going to ask you, give me a parting piece of wisdom. <laughs> so to reiterate that parting piece of wisdom, what is it again? It's to not basically wait forever to hire someone is to hire sooner rather than later so as soon as you have that initial light bulb moment go with it don't be afraid because actually you're going to become a more successful uh business you're going to find that you grow a lot quicker if you don't try and be a jack of all trades and manage it all yourself you're going to become successful by having a team of rock stars beside you love it i love it i love it i love it Okay, so to put that in terms of automate, delegate, eliminate, delegate sooner, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Karina, tell us about any specials or services that our listeners might be interested in that you offer. Where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find us at ecommercenurse.com. And if you're looking for some support, uh, you're a seller or a vendor already selling on Amazon, or it might be that you're even contemplating selling on Amazon, don't be afraid to reach out to us. We offer a 30-minute free consultation 
and we can talk you through where your business is at and what you need to do to get to those goals that you currently might have. Or if you don't have any goals, work those out and help you build out the right strategy for your business. Awesome. Karina, thank you so much for joining us today. I think we uncovered some amazing tidbits. I'm very excited about this Delegate episode and just appreciate you being here. Thank you, Will. I really appreciate it. I've just had a bit of a flashback on some things that are sort of been embedded in the past, but it's been great to talk with you. So thank you. No, we appreciate you taking that flashback. I know sometimes that can be uncomfortable, but that's what this is about is exposing some of those things for for our listeners. So again, appreciate everybody for being here. That's uh, a wrap for our episode today of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. Again, I'm your host, Will Christensen, and this episode is sponsored by Data Automation. You can find us at dataautomation.com. You've been listening to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate, hosted by Will Christensen.